0: Well, hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Deeper Still, the women's ministry podcast of Christ Church of Oak Brook. My name is Sue Ann Camfield, and I have the awesome privilege of serving on staff here at Christ Church, and I am the host of this podcast. So we have spent the last several weeks working our way through the book of James, and I don't know about you ladies, but James is doing a number on me. Man, God is messing with my soul through this study. And so, as I said last week, though, that's a good thing because that is what we're all about here at Deeper Still. We want to be people who are shaped and formed and move through life differently because we've encountered the wisdom and grace of a good and gracious God. And so instead of pulling the covers over our head today, we're going to keep plowing ahead and we're going to really plow ahead through some good and challenging stuff today. So grab a Bible or just turn up your listening ears, say a quick prayer, ask God to speak to you and get ready for this conversation today because it is going to be good and challenging and encouraging all at the same time. Well today, I'm excited to introduce you to what will be a new voice for many of you here on Deeper Still. I'm excited to introduce you to Mo Gherkins. Mo is the former president and CEO of Zondervan, a Christian publishing and media company. Prior to that, she spent more than 30 years as a female executive in a variety of industries, even receiving AT&T's Woman of the Year award. Mo has served on the board of numerous organizations and she is currently both a trustee here at Christchurch as well as one of our women's small group leaders in our WELL community, which I know many of you listening today are as well. She is the author of Mother Leads Best, a book that details the positive impact of motherhood on senior executive women. Mo has also earned her Master of Divinity degree from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. She has her MBA, where she received the Outstanding Student Award, and she has worked as the Director of Evangelism at Harvest Bible Chapel, and, we're not done yet, and in January 2020, Mo launched the 4-Minute Bible Study app, which she will share a little bit more about later in this episode. Moe is also knee-deep in helping to raise some beautiful grandkids right here in our own community. And as you will see, I'm not at all intimidated by Moe's resume or having her sit across from me in the studio today, but I am super excited to have her here as we tackle the rest of James chapter two. Moe Gherkins, welcome to Deeper Still. I'm so glad to have you here today. Oh, thank you. You are so sweet, too sweet. Well, you uh, have quite an impressive resume. What's interesting is that I had to cut out A lot of other amazing things that you have done. You have been such an amazing woman of influence. And um, it's just so neat to see how many different ways you've used the gifts that God has given you to influence in a variety of different ways over your career and over your life. And I just love that because we love to empower and equip women here at Deeper Still. And you're such a great model of that. So I just thank you. Thanks for using your gift and your time here today. You know, one thing that I think is so interesting is in the midst of all of the things that we just talked about that you've done in your life, you decided to go to seminary somewhere in the midst of all that. And I'm just wondering if you can tell us a little bit more
1: about what drew you to that and how that happened. Well, that happened here at Christ Church. Um, God had, at, I guess about 30 years into my career, 25 years into my career, had basically um, gotten my attention. And so I was on a journey. I He had taken away the desire to do the corporate run. Mm-hmm. I mean I had um this was prior to Zonervin but I had been in high tech for all those years and very successful and it was just something that happened to me. So um I went seeking him and found him here at Christ Church and uh, started contributing a lot to the church. And um the church offered me some positions and I kept turning them down and uh Greg Gogden, one of the pastors at the time who was you know a brilliant, brilliant man, said, "We're going to have lunch tomorrow because we got to figure out what it is you want <laughs> if you don't want one of these jobs and um you know, I had a talent at strategic planning, and that night I'm like, i got to come up with a strategic plan. <laughs> I can't go in to Greg Ogden and say, I don't know what I'm doing. I just know the Lord is calling me. And so I stayed up all night and figured it out. God was calling me, mm-hmm. but uh, I didn't really know enough. Mm-hmm. I had just begun the journey of the Bible. I had been a Christian all my life, um, raised in the Catholic Church, but I was relatively naive when it came to really – who Jesus really was, mm. and um, it just became clear to me if God was going to give me some big job in in a church-related ministry that I better get smart, and <laughs> so that was a July lunch. I sat down, and Greg said, so let's talk, and I'm like, I'm going to seminary. He's like, what? And I said, i got to get smart. I figured out if I was going to do one Bible study at a time, I would be 90 before I got <laughs> through the Bible, <laughs> and I was in seminary the following month in August. Wow.
0: Wow. That that is such a what I love about that is a lot of different things but it also ties into everything we've been talking about through this study and what we're going to talk about today, that that God stirred in your heart. He moved something in your heart. You weren't sure how it was going to happen or what that looked like, but yet you had the faith that we're going to talk about today to really step into that that place, which is so inspiring, and I think so many people need to be reminded of that. We probably have women listening who are in that spot of indecision or in that spot of feeling like... Um, maybe God is moving in their life in a certain way and they're just not sure how to move forward and want an inspiration and just an encouragement to take those steps of faith and to be bold with them
1: sometimes. Right, and and I don't want anyone to feel they have to go to seminary right, right. <laughs> to do that. So that was part of my creation of the app. When I was at seminary, I was like, you shouldn't have to go to seminary to figure all this out. And so it was kind of a vow to myself back then is, I'm going to make this easier for people. Mm. And so that's why I wrote the 4-Minute Bible Study app. I love
0: it. I love yeah. it. I just downloaded that today, actually. And I started seminary this fall. And so um, maybe that 4-Minute Bible, <laughs> maybe I don't need to go to seminary. I'll just say, you know, I don't need to do this.
1: I want you to go to seminary. You've <laughs> got, keep going. you
0: have got yeah. Oh, uh, well, today we uh like I said earlier are really going to jump into some very challenging verses, maybe some of the most challenging verses that we've hit so far. I'm not sure, but for anyone who has been following along over the last several weeks, we have been saying over and over again that James is all about putting our faith into action. That it's not a sterile faith, it's not a it's not something we can be af- apathetic to, but we actually have to do Uh, live out the things that we believe and so hopefully by now you've heard us say that as you're listening you've heard us say it enough that it's starting to soak in but today James is like kicking it up to a whole new level and Mo I have to tell you last night I was kind of finalizing our our time for today and doing a little bit more study and um, Eric had put dinner out on the table and I went downstairs and I said all right (laughs) we got to change our whole lives like we're just not doing enough and we're we're, we're, you know what kind of christians are we and you know i said we gotta we gotta like start over and sell everything that we have and let's let's go live with mama maggie in the in the slums of you know in africa and he's like what have you been (laughs) reading and i said it's james chapter two (laughs) Oh, boy. I know. Oh, boy. So that's where I'm at, just so you know, as we enter this conversation. But you have done just such an amazing job preparing for today. And so what I'm excited about is you're going to talk more than I am today. And I I love that. I'm ready to close my mouth a little bit and let let you take charge. But when we began this study um, early on, probably, I think, the first episode, uh, there is a little context that is helpful to know about the book of James. And so I want to remind our listeners of that before we dig into these verses. And And you have such great insight that you're going you're gonna to be able to put some, it's you're that seminary degree. High. It's the seminary <laughs> degree. Uh, you're going to be able to even flesh this out a little more. But the interesting thing about the book of James is it has this sordid and scandalous history as far as a book of the Bible goes, because it actually didn't, it almost didn't make it into the canon of scripture because there were some pretty hefty theologians throughout time, um, Martin Luther being one of them, who did not like what James was saying because he thought that James was being um, directly contradictory to Paul's teachings of grace. And this is really apparent today as we look at James chapter 2, verse 24, where James says, A person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. But then we pull out like a verse like Romans chapter 3, verse 28, where Paul says, For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the work of the law. And in Ephesians, Paul says, For it is by grace you have been saved. This is not of yourself. No one can boast. And so throughout time, there was this um, tension that this created where at its um, worst, People thought James was outright contradicting Paul and that there's no way that you could put these two books in the same Bible and call it the inspired Word of God. And at its best, which is something we're going to talk about today, is the internal conflict that it created between believers to say, well, which is it? Is it faith or is it works? And so... I think this is something that a lot of us even today struggle with based on maybe the church upbringing we had, the family of origin that we had, that there is something inside of us that, that is hard to believe, that it's grace alone, that there's stuff we still have to do to earn the favor of God. And when I was reading your notes, you made a statement that really popped out at me when we, we were talking about all this, and you said, these verses are James' most important, most controversial a most famous contribution to theology. And then you said you also think the resolution to this tension that we're talking about is actually pretty simple. And
1: so let's talk theology a minute. Uh, what is all of this about? Yeah, I do think it's simple. And I think um, part of the reason we find it so complex, and even Martin Luther, is because we we lived in one Focusing on one over the other mm-hmm. for such a long time. And the church leading up to Martin Luther was all about works. Um, but I think these are both and. And when you put them in balance, it's right. So. Um, There's a lot of studies, and they go through the Greek prepositions and all this other stuff of why, how these are the same. But the bottom line is it's two different circumstances Mm -hmm. Paul is talking into and James is talking into. And so if you put the context um, clear, I think these things clear up. James clearly from the beginning is talking about – People his readers who were assuming an empty insincere verbal confession was sufficient for salvation, mm-hmm. and he's trying to warn them that that kind of faith isn't what Jesus is all about Paul on the other hand he, um you know james James is talking about people who don't do enough, and Paul was focused on people who are focused on works mm-hmm. too much, mm-hmm. and so he was trying to explain to the Jews who were looking at the Gentiles saying they have to get circumcised, they have to do this, they have to do that in order to be saved. And Paul's saying, uh-uh, no, you're saved by faith alone through grace so that you cannot boast. And so he was trying to combat an over-dependence mm-hmm. on works will earn your way to salvation. And um, But even Paul, I'd like to look at Galatians 5, 6 for a second. He said, For in Christ Jesus for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Mm. So even for Paul, there's an expression of genuine faith, which is love. And so we can't get too hung up on the semantics here. James is clearly talking about those expressions of love that come from a genuine faith, and he's trying to explain those. Yeah,
0: Yeah. and you know even when we go back to James chapter 1 the very first words and the way James identifies himself is a servant and a slave of Jesus Christ and so he's putting himself under the authority of Jesus very clearly in the same way that Paul would have but yet the context and i'm so glad you bring that up because as we you know as we try to be better, better students of the bible it's always so helpful to look at that that context and so i love the way you just described that tension
1: it's so good and James I mean, he talked about the new birth. So he wasn't naive with respect to um, being born of Christ. Uh, In verse 118, we've already read, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth. Mm. And so... You know, that that concept of God has given us a new birth is very clear in James as well. So yes. I think we can all relax about this.
0: Yeah, I love that. We can all, we can all take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. Yeah. One of the things I read uh, that was really helpful is if you imagined... Paul preaching what he is talking about and James being there saying, yes, amen, that is right. You cannot work your way into the heaven, you know, into the kingdom of God. And then at the same time, James preaching this, love your neighbor as yourself. You've got to, your faith has to be. Um, An overflow of the grace and the mercy we've received. And Paul standing in the background going, yes, James, you know, you preach it, you got this. And so it actually is a a beautiful picture of these two things. And the other thing I read that was really helpful, and just, um, again, that was reminded of is there's this difference between positional righteousness, which is, um, you know, when we initially accept the grace and the mercy of god when we look at jesus sacrifice when we recognize and we'll get into this a little bit later um, but when we recognize the sacrifice jesus made that all of us fall short and we sin none of us are good enough um, compared to the glory of god and the only way that we can um i don't want to say achieve salvation because that's not even the right word but the only way that we have salvation is by grace alone. And so there's a this positional righteousness that that is our position before God when we accept what Jesus did for us on the cross. And because that he sees change. Jesus instead of us. Yes, that's right. Yes, he's, he doesn't so see he us. So he
1: doesn't see our stuff. That's right.
0: What a beautiful picture that he sees. He sees Jesus' sacrifice in his blood. That's why we're white as snow. And so that that's the positional righteousness. But then what James is really talking about is this practical righteousness that because that's true of us, there are certain behaviors and certain ways that we need to move through life that, um, that shows the righteousness of God because we are treating other people. We are, we are living the kind of life that God calls us to. And so, um, like you said, we don't need to get. We don't want to get too uh, caught up on this. We can all take a deep breath. That they're they're both true. But I also think it's an important thing to just mention and to talk about because I think it can be confusing sometimes.
1: Totally. And I think um, we should take a few minutes and and think about what does the rest of the Bible or the yes. New Testament tell us. So John, who's you know, I love John's Gospel so much, but even his letters. In his letters, first letter. He said in uh, verse 3, 14, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Mm. Anyone who does not love remains in death. So again, there's this, how do we know, well, if we love each other? And he goes on to tell us how we can belong to God. He says, if we can keep, if we keep his demands and do what pleases him. So there's a re- response on our part to genuine faith. Mm-hmm. And John also gave a good example that there is a counterfeit faith in John 2:23. He tells us that after the crowds in Jerusalem saw Jesus doing miracles, he said many believed in his name. However, in the following verse, Jesus tells us, I mean John tells us that Jesus did not entrust himself to them because he knew their faith would not last. That Greek verb there for believed and entrust was the same verb. So essentially, it says, they believed in Jesus, but he did not believe in them because they had a kind of faith that was not a true saving faith. Mm-hmm. So John's even warning us that there's this counterfeit faith. And then Jesus warns us. He talked about the traits of true faith and the consequences of the counterfeit faith in the parable of the sheep and the goats, which hopefully everyone remembers. But, um, you know, Jesus is dividing the sheep and the goats and the sheep is like when did i do all those wonderful things to you jesus and he goes when you did them to the least of these mm. and so there's this action that comes about from true faith and the goats they didn't do it and so and jesus also said remember in um, matthew seven nineteen, i think he said those who do not bear good fruit will not be saved mm. And then he, the one that kills me is Matthew 7:21. I mean, I think this is scary not everyone who says to me, "Lord, Lord, mm-hmm. will enter the kingdom of heaven." And he adds, "But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I think it's very clear that genuine faith in Christ leads to doing the will of God.
0: Yes. I love the word counterfeit that you use in this okay. example, and just that's such a such a clear picture. And I, I've heard this analogy used um, many times throughout the year. And for some reason, Eric and I were just talking about it the other night. But if you if you want to know what a counterfeit is you have to study the real thing, right? That's that's how the people who um, learn to see the things that aren't real, it's because they know what the real thing is. And this beautiful picture of what you just talked about of Jesus, and what we've been talking about in James of Jesus walking through his life, modeling for us what it looks like to love the least of these, and to
1: do these things that he's calling us to. Right, right. So I think there's, t- let's not get distracted today on the and you know how does this fit i think it fits pretty easily and i think there's a second way we can get distracted today and i want to just encourage us not to do this it's hard not to bring to mind all the people we suspect have a superficial faith oh that's good <laughs> i i can point out somebody oh that person doesn't have any deeds coming out of them yes. i mean there's no fruit there but i really think I I know just listening to you, how you started your conversation with Eric about giving up up everything and starting over. There's something for each of us in this passage. Mm. Um, There's a heart check, a gut check, a soul check we really need to be making. And so let's just focus on how this affects us.
0: That's a good word. Thank you for, thanks for saying that, especially today. We need to hear that. We need to hear that. All right, so let's jump into a few of these um, verses. So, verse 14 in chapter 2 says this What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? I love that phrasing. Like, what good is it? You know, I think that's something we can keep asking ourselves. What good is it if we have faith but we don't have deeds? Can such faith save them? And so, up until now, we see that James has focused on um, on faith and on character. We've talked about persevering through struggles, asking for wisdom, being quick to listen and slow to speak, slow to become angry, merciful, being intentional about examining the word, all of those great stuff. But then we get here and we also see, actually in what we talked about in chapter one, that James had some very specific things that he has mentioned so far. As
1: deeds. Yeah, Yeah. as deeds. What are some of those things? Well. To look after orphan and widows, and I think in our context that's could be lots of people. It's really who is marginalized, who is homeless, who is single parenting. He says to honor the poor. He went through a lot on our um, favoritism passages and to live out the royal command, which for him is to love one another. So those are the deeds that he is focused on.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it makes sense then that as he continues this – that that's who he's focusing on and that's the examples that he's using when we get to verse 15 so he says I love this because he's like just suppose like let's just say so he's saying hypothetically (laughs) he's doing this very graciously so he says suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food if one of you says to them go in peace keep warm and well fed but does nothing about their physical needs again here's this phrase "What, what good is that what good is it in the same way faith by itself if not accompanied by action is dead and so I think we can get this picture in our mind of what that looks like I mean we've all been in the streets of Chicago or somewhere where we see someone in that position and I'm not saying it's always the right thing to um You know, there's different ways that we can care for the homeless in our cities, and there's lots of different ways to help. But, you know, that picture of when we see someone naked and cold and hungry, and imagine just walking up to them and saying, you know what, God loves you. Just just bless your heart. I'm going to pray for you all right, I'll see you later. Have a great day. That's the hypothetical that James is putting us in. And so, Mo, I'm wondering, why do you think this is the example that he uses? And why do you think James really stresses our helping the needy um,
1: over maybe some of the other deeds we could do? Yeah. Well, first, I think it's quite relevant for those times, because as you pointed out the last um, episode of the podcast, the earlier church was bringing together the rich and the poor. And we hear all these stories about some people gave up all they had, and they were kind of living in community. But that's still true today. I mean, over 10% of our country, even before COVID, was mm. living in poverty. And uh, a good what a billion and a half or a quarter of the world's population is living on less than $4, hour- $4 a day. So I think it's relevant But it also, secondly, reflects what Jesus emphasized. Mm -hmm. Um, Jesus was constantly emphasizing the poor and the widows and the orphans, most notably that Good Samaritan that our church just spent a whole series on. And he directed his followers to go and do likewise. He told this beautiful story and the summary was go and do likewise. And, and then there's the parable of the sheeps and the goats again. Mm-hmm. He said, you were taking care of the least of these when you fed, the, fed me and when I was hungry and you clothed me and those sort of things. And so that's another reason. But I think there might be a third reason. And um, I think that helping the marginalized gives God an opportunity to open our hearts. Mm-hmm. When we come face to face with people in needs versus writing a check, And most of us in the western suburbs, you know, we can be very generous. And I'm not saying don't be generous. But when we have that face-to-face exposure to the needs of people and how God is acting in those situations, um, He has an opportunity to move in our heart. I mean, think about anybody you know that's ever gone on a missions trip. Mm -hmm. You know, they come back a different person. They come back with a different perspective, more compassion, more empathy, um, more passion. And so I think there's something in the doing of these deeds that is really, really good for us.
0: Yeah. I learned, you know, I used to work in um, fundraising, development, And we talked about the difference between transactional giving and transformational giving. And sometimes we can treat our deeds like it's a transaction, that we drive through Starbucks and we give them our credit card, and okay, we did our good thing, we we got what we needed, our transaction's over. But Jesus calls us to this transformational kind of giving and kind of life that you're talking about, that when we give, when we're generous, when we care for others, yes, we meet a need in their lives that's super important, but that God and his goodness and his grace and his mercy also does an amazing work in our lives that allows us to then use our influence even more deeply, I think, if we let it. And you have had some experiences um, where you've stepped out in faith and have done some really
1: amazing things and have had this kind of an experience. I'd love for you to share about that. I mean, I have to say helping the needy transformed me like nothing else Mm -hmm. has. So yeah, that's very personal for me. Um, and all that was through Christ Church. When I first joined the church um, shortly thereafter, Katrina hit. And um, Christ Church, through Dan's leadership, created an organization called Loving Neighbors in the western suburbs. We had 16 churches join up because we're like, well, as one church we can't just do make a big impact, but maybe if we all gather together. Anyway, I was chose to lead that, and I was being mentored by pastors from 16 different churches. But then when I went down there, there was all these other Christians down there, and this was new in my Christian life, so the whole thing was new to me. But there was miracle upon miracle mm-hmm. to see God so active um, in providing for these people who were homeless and not wanting to leave their home and go to live with cousins or something, but, you know, living in just awful, awful conditions. And I'll just, there's so many miracles, but I'll share two that I just thought, three that were remarkable. Um, So the hurricane came into the Gulf of Mississippi, and there's a church right, right at the point of where the water hits. And the hurricane made a V and just left the church there and everything around it was decimated. Mm -hmm. Absolutely everything was down to the ground. And then another church, everything in that neighborhood was gone, but this giant cross was still standing. And another church, okay, the town we worked in was Purlington, Mississippi, the poorest town in the poorest Mm -hmm. county in the poorest state of our country. This was poverty like I never imagined can be in the United States of America. But the United Methodist Church for the Blacks was on one side of the street, and the United Methodist Church for the Whites was on the other side of the street. Mm. And he lifted up the white church and landed it on the black side of town. Wow. And the white people wouldn't go to the black church, which was standing just fine. They were driving 40 miles away. Wow. to go to a white church. I mean, it was really interesting, but it, eventually it did start bringing people together. My own personal miracle was the first minute I got down there or well, I slept in a gym and then I got up and got in my rental car and found my way to this church where I was going to was kind of the center of service. And everybody's active and doing stuff and I asked this one lady who seemed to be in charge put me to work. What can I do? And she goes, "We got four giant freezers. We have no ice." Hmm. Well, finding ice after this hurricane was like going to be finding a needle in a haystack. It, it was everybody had needed ice. There was no refrigeration, no electricity, no nothing. So I'm like, okay, I prayed and I went to the gym. I thought I'll ask the lady that was running that you know where we were sleeping where where the you know what city she thinks would be the first city that has ice. <laughs> And I pull up, and I said, "Um, I need to find ice. She goes, oh, great. She said, we had a semi come in with a semi full of ice, but he's got to take the truck back, and he's just dumping ice on the parking lot. Wow. Right (laughs) where I was. I mean, I literally stuffed this car full of ice. I was back to this lady within like a half an hour, and I was so excited. And I'm like, do you believe what God did? She goes, oh, yeah, he does this every day
0: wow so she'd seen it oh no just
1: constant and so i mean talk about changing your faith mm. just he was so active in helping these people and they were so faithful and so ready to ask and so all i had to do in leading that was ask the lord and sometimes we'd have an idea it's like oh i don't see him coming alongside us we're not going to go that way because if he if he was in this You know, all the wood would be coming, all the people would be coming, all the money, you know, so it's just so easy, so easy to live in that situation. Yeah.
0: And and how great
1: that it didn't depend
0: on anything that you did. (laughs) Right, no. which is which is also the point of all this. Like it, it wasn't anything that you did. You allowed yourself to be used by God. You you made the step to take the trip to put yourself out there, and then you just watched God work. What a faith building, transformative experience! It's
1: amazing. I know, and I will confess that in the beginning, that first right. night when I'm sleeping on the gym floor, it's like. God, why am I doing this? I'm going to be building houses. You, you've you given me the skills to run billion-dollar corporations. I mean, <laughs> what am I doing here? And, oh, he, be, he made it so darn clear that I had no idea. Yes. I had yes. no idea, and he was just going to show right, me. You're going
0: to go find some ice. That's what you're going to do. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That is going to tie um, so perfectly into when we talk about Abraham and his faith being credited to him to his righteousness okay. and Rahab. So we're not going to go there yet, but what a, what a great picture of what that's going to look like and those are people that are called out in our in our history and i i say our history is as people of god the bible is our history this is our story it is our journey and we see time and time again when people put themselves in those situations and allow god to use them and they do the work they didn't just stay home you you got on a van or a bus or however you got down there and did it and so that's going to tie in so i want everyone to remember that when we get to abraham and rahab so let's talk for a minute on verse 18. Um, that says but someone will say you have faith and I have deeds and it is this interesting piece of um, you know I think okay well you go do that you know that's your thing that's not my thing I have this thing and so when James is talking about this what is what
1: is he addressing here so again it's pretty early in the church but what's happened is the Spirit of God has come down on all these people and they're recognizing that the spirit has given different people different gifts and that comes out in the book of acts when they talk about needing somebody to serve they pick stephen because he had the gift of service and so and even in like paul talks about in 1st corinthians 12 there's a gift of faith and so he also talks in romans about the gift of service so there are some people saying hey i have the gift of faith you have the gift of service so that means i don't have to do
0: anything exactly
1: <laughs> exactly and and or do deeds like yeah. help the orphans and the widows and everybody else? Because I'm gonna, you know, do something else. And so James is really trying to clear that up. It's not an either or. It's a both and. I mean, some people have the gift of generosity. It doesn't mean we're not supposed to be generous. Yes. Right. <laughs> so, so there's a lot to this gifting. But that was kind of what was. I think percolating at the time,
0: yeah, and and we so often our tendency is to try to get ourselves off the hook with some of that stuff, totally, right? Like, we'll totally. read that and say, Well, there you go, see,
1: I don't I'm gifted, sorry, but I think there are people in the church that think this way. Mm. Yeah. that I'm not gifted in that way. So um. we,
0: People think, I'm not gifted with children, so I'm never going to serve. I'm never going to hold a baby. And <laughs> I'm guilty of that. I'm like, I don't well, think that's my thing. And but as a
1: grandmother, I'm kind of <laughs> glad that you, you've decided that. But there are other ways to serve. That's right.
0: right. There are <laughs> lots of ways to serve. But I think that's a good convicting reminder of yeah. it's not a way to get off the hook. So then we, we have this piece of... Um, where uh, James says, i got to find it here, where James says, Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Great. Guess what? Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? And so we're going to go on that to a minute, but I think this piece about um, the demons and the shudder, because... I think there is there there are two pieces to it. There sometimes we think we can have this intellectual assent to God. I know, I know, I know. I read my Bible, I do my Bible study, I know all the stuff, and so I'm good. Or on the flip side of that, we think we can have this emotional response. I deal this. I, I'm a uh, mentor for some high school kids here at the church, seniors, and they're always struggling with. They're saying, you know, gosh, when we went on that camp, we did that mission trip. I just felt so close to God, and now I'm like at school and I'm e-learning, and I don't really feel that close to God. And so, where is He here? Where is He? And so, I think we can get caught in between these two things. Of, of sometimes we put too much emphasis on the knowing. Sometimes we put too much
1: emphasis on the feeling. And James calls them both out right yeah. here. Yes, he does. But and I also think some of us, you know, some of us are head people, some of us are heart Mm -hmm. people, some of us are gut people. In general, we we all use all three, but some of us, we each of us probably comes at one stronger than the other, and so we have to kind of watch out for that. But, um, nice Enneagram
0: reference there, by the way. Exactly. Wait a, wait a, that in. We like talking about the Enneagram oh, here. We like talking okay, in, in every, every part. Love yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. That we, we, we'd have a natural bent yeah. towards one of those things. But James just calling this out like, you think you know God? Well, guess what? Even the demons say they know him and they shudder before him. And so it's not enough to just know.
1: I had, um, a good friend would evangelize this way. He would say, "It would his evangelism was like believing is an insurance policy. Mm. He would say, well, look, if you believe, the downside is, okay, you could be wrong and there's no God. But if you don't believe and there is a God, there's a big downside. So you should believe. And, and, mm-hmm. and that's, I think, who James is talking about. Right. Is that's an all head thing? I right. mean, there's like, like
0: that doesn't happen <laughs> for me. I'm like, yeah, you know what? It doesn't help. But he, he, he
1: it was his. I would always wonder, but we're not going there. That's um, right. yeah. The the thing I want to point out here is is he says, "You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless?" And I wanted to go into that word "useless," because the Greek word agros actually means. Your faith is not working. Mm-hmm. And that verbiage helps me better to say, okay, your faith is not working versus your faith is loose useless. Because it's sort of saying, um, if Jesus says if we put our faith in him, through him we will start loving others and we're not doing that, then it's not working. Mm-hmm. And so then we have to examine, well, is it true faith at all? Mm-hmm. Is this really is my is has Jesus possessed me? Has he taken ownership of my heart mm-hmm. and soul and mind and or not? Mm-hmm. And so I really like that term. Yeah. But clearly, I mean, this is what first he said in verse 14, it's a faith that doesn't save in verse sixteen, it does no good. and seventeen and twenty six it's dead and here it's not working. Yeah. So he's really concerned about this.
0: <laughs> he is really concerned. And I think as we're listening to this, we might start feeling a little uncomfortable in that it's Hopefully. making us feel, <laughs> right? Like it's making us feel um guilty or well, am I am I not doing enough? But it's really this gut check. Like it should make us uncomfortable in a way of saying, wow, is my faith active? Is it working? I love is that, that term because that's a really great great question to ask yourself. Yeah. Is my faith actually working? And what would God say about that? And so I just, I, I, I we don't want to beat people, but we want to challenge people to wrestle with that in the core of our I souls because it matters. It makes a difference. I agree. I agree. All right. So James gets on then to this next little piece where he starts bringing out some of just the great um, stories of the Bible, the great biblical characters of Abraham and Rahab. So uh, he looks at Abraham. Now, they're two very different scenarios. (laughs) Yes, very different scenarios. But um, they both bring up similar points in a uh, to tie into this whole thing so he says was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar and I think most people know that story it's a it's one we were all taught probably even if we didn't go to Sunday school we probably know that story but he says you see that his faith and his actions were working together that word work I like that and his faith was made complete or mature um, it was it was made mature by what he did and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. Mm, I love that. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, here's where we started, and not by faith alone. So what, what do you make of this, Mo?
1: Well, I think Abraham wasn't perfect by any means, but he took some amazing leaps of faith, and we all know Abraham is the father of our faith. But he did act, and that's James's point. I mean, he rooted up his family and essentially became a nomad because God called him. So that was an act. He fought some difficult wars. He was willing to sacrifice his own son. And when I look at that one, you know, he believed to his core when he answered Isaac's question of, where's the ram, Dad? And he said, the Lord will provide. Mm. He truly believed that. And he didn't do it to look good, obviously, or gain affirmation. So his only motive could have been to be obedient to a God he trusted. Mm -hmm. And so his faith led to action. So I see why James is pointing out Abraham. I mean, he really did some incredible, incredible things.
0: And it's this—it's this, it's this um, cycle of faith. So Abraham, it seems to be that there were about thirty years, but the time between God said to Abraham, "Go to the land; I will show you," he didn't even know where he was supposed to go. God said, "Go to the land; I will show you." Until we have this moment with Isaac. So there's thirty years in there of Abraham. I, I'm, I'm speculating here. It doesn't lay us out, lay this out for us in the Bible, but of him making choices to obey, to have faith. I'm sure there were other points that God reinforced his faith. Oh, and yeah. so, so it's not like he went from um, all of a sudden uh, one day meeting God and then the next day God asking him to sacrifice his son. There was this relationship that happened over time. And I think when we, when we allow ourselves to take small steps of faith, and risk that and step into those courageous places and then God meets us in those places that's part of this growing and maturing of our faith it's like we take a step of obedience God meets us we're reminded that he is good he is faithful he is with us and so then it, it encourages our faith for the next time when God says go to the land i will show you or sacrifice your son and we say oh wait uh God are you going to meet me in this place and then we go back those altars of remembrance of the way God has worked in
1: time over our life. Yeah, and like I know my wife got pregnant at 90.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right. Like, what? Are you sure about this, God? Yeah. I don't think this is the, this is what you had in mind. Uh, and it worked out. And they, I mean, there was a long time where they didn't think uh, from when God promised them a son till the time they actually had one. That was a long, long time. And so you had mentioned also you've had some experiences like this. And I just, I love
1: hearing these personal stories that really bring this home. Would sure. you share that with us? Sure. Um, I, I bet a, a lot of you have had a Isaac moment, but I clearly had one. And it was just reading this passage. And it was, you know, um, I read it and I'm like, it convicted me. It grabbed me. And when that happens to me, when I'm in the Word, I'm like, "Okay, God, you're trying to tell me something." And um, I'm like, "I'm going to be open. I'm going to be listening. Um, what What are you asking me to sacrifice?" Mm-hmm. And I had been building this beautiful, beautiful lake home in Western Michigan on Lake Michigan, and um, it was in the making of for about a year and a half, and it was anyway it was a dream come true and we were just about to close on it and about a few hours after reading this passage my builder calls me and he says mo i don't even know if i should tell you this but somebody called me today and said they wanted to buy your new home Mm -hmm. and i'm like oh my like okay i he goes i know you don't you don't want me to do anything about it? And I said, actually, I do. I said, I really I really think we need to talk to him. And he was really shocked. So was my husband. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, oh. I was reading this passage. The Lord convicted me. Wow. Something was coming. And in a few hours, I get this call. And so I was like, no, this is God telling me to do this. Now, the man had since left out of the country. And it took 10 days for him to get back. And to reconnect with my builder. So I'm going 10 days. Oh, my goodness. Am I giving up my home? Am I giving up my home? Well, okay. Lord, you've got it. It's yours. Mm-hmm. Lord, this is your home anyway. Mm-hmm. So I, I believe you've got s- something in mind for it. And I'm I'm all in. And the guy calls my builder and he says, Oh, it was the wrong house. I wanted the house down the street. <laughs> I think the lord orchestrated that so that i could stop reading passages like that and wondering if i really have the faith Mm. you know it was a lot of guilt and a lot of i'm not good enough and i think he just said mo i gave you an amazing faith you you don't have to worry about your faith you've Mm. got your faith let's worry about other things Mm. um and so that was my Isaac moment. Wow. You know, we have all kinds of ladies
0: working on lake houses right now that just stop <laughs> listening. They're like, and, end show. <laughs>
1: we're done here. Oh, well, he ended up taking the lake house anyway down the road. So you <laughs> oh, were going to give it to him one way or another. I was. It's his. I hope I get it back in heaven. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's right. It'll be waiting for you. I'm sure that's in the Bible somewhere. I think I that's so. theologically accurate, right? Yeah. Uh, the other thing I just want to say that I love about that is – You know, we talked so uh, much a few weeks ago about being um, quick to listen and slow to hear and how that's not always just in relationship with one another, but that's when uh, in relationship with the Lord and when we come to the word and you just demonstrated both of those things so beautifully. That's exactly what James is talking about.
1: Yeah, it is. I yeah. think it is.
0: Oh, thanks for sharing that. All right. Well, let's transition to Rahab here. And so uh, Rahab is one of my actually favorite stories in all of scripture. I love Rahab. Um, if you are not familiar with the story of Rahab, you can find it in Joshua chapter 2. But uh, essentially, Rahab puts her life on the line Um to allow the enemy uh, she's in Jericho and, and God's people are coming in to take that land that he had promised them and um, Rahab hides the spies on, under some hay in the roof of her house right, so that um, they can spy and actually take over the land and she knows that if she is found out for hiding these spies that basically she can be executed and her she can lose her family and so that's not even the good part of the story I mean that's a kind of cool part of the story because she's ri- risky and gutsy and all of these things but my favorite part of the story is the fact that again her act of faith uh her belief to believe in this god that she actually didn't even know that much about at that point uh, she ends up being the grandmother of king david she ends up in the genealogy of jesus she ends up in hebrews chapter 12 as like this woman of great faith and i just uh, i just think it's such an amazing story and such an encouragement today and so um Verse 25 says, In the same way was not even Rahab, so in the same way as, as Abraham, so he's James is making kind of this contrast comparison, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteousness, a prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. Do you love Rahab as much as I do? I what do. What do you think, Rahab? I really,
1: I really do. I mean, nobody wants to be a prostitute, right? So she was probably back then a victim of horrible abuse, wishing for release. And uh, the only way she could have trusted these men after men had abused her her whole life is if God had done something. I mean, it had to be something miraculous, a faith that he had given her. and um, So that that's just uh, an incredible story. And it reminds me of many of us um come to a faith like that, and not all of us, but some of us have an initial faith experience that's really, really powerful, and that will we feel like we're on fire for Jesus and we would do anything for him and um I think that's that's just just wonderful and I think um what happened here is the new Christians who were all, you know, they were like probably all on fire for Jesus in the beginning, but as the flock grew, James was detecting there was a counterfeit faith sprouting up, and he was alarmed by it, mm. alarmed enough to write this letter. And it's not like James wrote a ton of letters that we can discover. So so I think it's it's really interesting that he used Rahab. I really do. I'm glad he did.
0: Yeah. You know, it reminds me, Rahab doesn't remind me of this, but it reminds me of, um, you know, when you're in a dating relationship or you first get married and you try to do all of these things to please the other person and you're on this, you know, isn't life wonderful and all of those good things. And then on down the road, uh, you just got to figure out how to wake up each day together and be faithful and, and to still serve and love one another even when, maybe now I'm not saying of course you know Eric and I are still like you know emotionally just crazy about each other since the day we met so exactly the same 23 years later as it was then but we have this we sometimes feel that way in our faith where like you said in the beginning we we feel like we can take these bold risky steps for the Lord Right. but then we can get really lazy and we can get you know, just it's easier to crawl up in our PJs and and watch Netflix than go out on a on a date night and spend some time together. And so, it's it's this reminder to not get lazy and 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 again that our faith and those actions are not our deeds are not based on how we feel, but they're based on the fact that God is good and He is. This is what He's calling us to because we are His instruments in this world. So yeah, so
1: when I feel like that, um, like especially after reading james i've (laughs) been clearly i I spent time this week just um realizing okay why am i not feeling like i'm really acting the way god wants me to act and and i go back to i got to spend more time with him Mm. i just the more i spend time with him the more my love for him just bubbles up and what when that does when i get to even know him even an incipient, you know a little bit more it's like oh wow I didn't even know that about him so Mm -hmm. it's we it's getting back in the word I mean that's what lights that fire that's what ignites that flame and so for me reading this passage that's exactly where I was it was like I want to get back to loving Jesus again the way Mm -hmm. you know I need to
0: yeah, yeah, that's a great, great reminder for all of us that not be discouraged in this, but to really just draw closer to draw closer to Jesus and, and what he calls us to and then step into those places. So, Mo, we have a few minutes left for, um, here. What do you have some uh, concluding just thoughts, some encouragements, any scripture that uh, any stories that you want to you want to fold in here?
1: I, I think there's two things um one is if there's anyone listening that is not sure they have a saving Mm -hmm. faith um i'd like to give you some some guidance what do you do if you're not sure and and james gives us guidance early in his in um his letter he says if you need wisdom ask god Mm -hmm. so that's really number one is ask the lord lord um like kind of my Isaac moment. God will show you um, if he needs you to do something differently. But secondly, there are things we have to do to come to a saving faith. There are actually actions on our part. And I think John 15, um, the first 11 verses, really tell us what we need to do to have a saving faith. I love that chapter. And I refer to his, um, his suggestions as the four R's, the first one is to repent of our sins. The second one is to receive his spirit. The third one is to remain in his word. And the fourth one is to respond by following his way. And look back and say, if I stumbled on any one of these, and for me, my personal roadblock in coming to a genuine faith was repentance. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I was a relatively good person, and this really blocked my ability to see the truth about the state of my heart. And because I wasn't um, honest about that, it blocked me from even realizing I needed a savior. So when I asked Jesus into my heart, I really wasn't asking him. Mm. Because I didn't think it was my sins that really made him cause pain on the cross when the nails were getting pounded in, you know. And so, I mean, I sinned, I knew I was a sinner, but I didn't I thought I was relatively good. So Jesus couldn't take over my soul and my heart until I really, really repented. Mm-hmm. And so um, if anybody wants more details on that, or just really how to operate in this world of having a saving faith, I really encourage them to go mm-hmm. to the Four Minute Bible Study. Mm-hmm. It's um, an app available, and it's four minutes a day. And Yeah, say more about it, because I I just (laughs) downloaded it uh, this afternoon, and I was like, wow, this is awesome. So share a little bit more about what it is. So I wrote it for primarily people new to the Bible, Mm -hmm. Um, but they could be longtime Christians. But my friends who are good Bible readers really love it anyway, so um, it could be good for everybody. But um, just when I like like I said, when I was in seminary – it was like, how do I bring this and simplify all this? And also, um, nobody kind of tells you how to live as a Christian. They give you all this theology in seminary, but they don't really tell you what does it mean to be in the Spirit or in Christ? Or um, how h- how do I read this Bible? And what does it mean to receive grace? Or how do I know what my calling is? All those sort of things. And so I I built like what I call these foundational building blocks. Month after month, you kind of Build up your faith, and so you're learning about one thing after you've already learned the foundation for that. Mm. And um, hopefully, by the end of the year, you you'll feel comfortable in the Bible. You'll feel feel like you know Jesus, and um, you'll be on fire for Him.
0: Mm, I love so. it. That sounds amazing. Thanks. So, how would people find that if they were looking the for app,
1: it? The app store, and the either on Apple or Google. Okay. Um,
0: Okay. Four yeah. minute Bible study. Four minute Bible study. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'll be sure to post that on
1: some okay. of our social media as well and get right, that word thanks. out because
0: I think that's a great tool.
1: It's going to be an audio version next year, hopefully. But uh, right now it's just a read version. But the audio version is going to be dynamite.
0: Oh, that sounds fabulous! Yeah, you It's going to be
1: dramatized and acted out. Yeah. By you? Oh gosh, no. Gosh, That in no. your, <laughs> <gosh, that> no. <laughs> <no. laughs> your repertoire, you do Everything else, Hollywood. Can you not do that? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> not me. But when you hear the. The parable of the sheep and the goats. You're yes. going to hear sheep and goats in the background, and you're going to
0: love <laughs> it. I cannot wait. You have to come back when
1: it right. comes back, and okay. you have to tell us more all about right. it. So, all right. Um, that well, the second thing I was going to say yeah. is uh, something Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, "Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds, and glorify your Father in heaven." And you know, I would encourage us all to do that. Jesus is telling us that it's our good deeds that draw others to God and draw glory to God. And so we need to do this. Mm. If we love Jesus, yeah. we need to do this.
0: It's not optional. Yeah, right. Yeah, this is not an optional conversation. It might not be easy. It might be challenging. But it's not something that we can just say, oh, well, that was good for today and move on to the next thing. It's something we need to do, both for the sake of those who are far from God, those who are in need, as well as, as you said before, our own soul. It yeah. all works together. It's all part of the the same piece of the same
1: um, pie, puzzle, yes. uh, all of it. But yeah. God will God will direct you. And so it it won't even feel dutiful. It's... You know, when you love somebody, you want to do things because mm-hmm. you love them, not, not to, so that you will love them. So yeah. just go back to the word. Go back to God often says, come to me before he sends us out. So if you don't know what those deeds are you're supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. just spend time with the Lord. He'll mm-hmm. tell you. Mo, you
0: have been an amazing gift gift to us today. Just so much wisdom and encouragement, and I especially appreciate the way you've been so vulnerable to share pieces of your own story. So thank you. You're welcome. So much for being here with us today. I know you've blessed so many people.
1: Thank you. You're welcome. You've been great.
0: Well, friends, James is definitely not for the faint of heart. We threw a lot at you today, and so don't feel like you have to get this all in one day. I know it was a lot, but sit with it. Read the passage a couple of times. Ask God what he wants to reveal to you, and just trust that he will do a good work in your life. Also, don't forget to make your way out to the App Store and go ahead and look up that 4-Minute Bible Study. You can find it and download it. And Like I said, I already did it today and I'm already hooked. I can't wait to dig a little more, so make sure you do that too. Most importantly, I just want you to know that if you are struggling with some of the things that we said today, if you really are not sure, if you have a saving relationship with Jesus, if you have ever made that commitment to make Him your Lord and Savior, I want you to know you do not have to do this alone. Reach out to someone you trust email me at scamfield at christchurch.us connect with a pastor on staff whatever it may be just know that today may be the day that god is calling you and we don't want you to wait another minute so trust him because he's good and he's waiting for you Also, friends, uh, just a reminder to all of our local friends, remember we are collecting items for the holiday food drive as well as Christmas shoeboxes, just another way to put our faith into action. You can learn more about that at Christchurch.us forward slash serve. Or you can also follow Christchurch Women on Instagram and Facebook, and we'll have all the details there as well. Remember, you can also find Deeper Still on the Christchurch website as well as all of your favorite podcasts, platforms. And so be sure to like and subscribe and share it with your friends and invite others along for the journey because it's a pretty amazing group of women. And we want as many people to experience that as possible. Well, next week, we're taking an intentional pause here at Deeper Still. We normally record on Tuesdays, but next Tuesday is November 3rd, and I think you probably all recognize what that is. And so we're just going to pause, and we are going to take some time to be praying for our country and our leaders at all levels of government and for one another as we learn to navigate some of these difficult times. And so we'll be posting some prayer prompts for that on our social media as well. So keep an eye out for that, and I just encourage you to spend a few minutes that day and join us in praying for our country. Well friends, as always, thanks for stopping by. I'm so glad you chose to join in and more importantly, glad you're willing to go to some of these hard places and let God transform you as we lean in, as we are encouraged, as we walk in the light of his mercy and his grace as we go deeper still. So have a great day, have a great week, and we'll see you back in a couple weeks for James chapter three. Go in peace, my friends.